Hi and welcome everyone to the 109th episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson. And before I start today's podcast, I've asked Heidi Newhauser to join me as a co-host for Serum Rocks, as I felt that this podcast needed a bit more of a discussion and less of an interview. So welcome, Heidi. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, nice of you to join me. And um, I hope it's going to be really good for this podcast. So welcome. Thank you. And this today podcast will be about Power Apps portals. And with us today, we have Nick Dolman from Microsoft. Nick has recently joined Microsoft as a senior content developer, focused on developing content for Power Apps portal. And he's also a Microsoft certified trainer, Dynamics Communities All-Star winner. He is a trainer, consultant, speaker, perhaps former consultant now then, speaker, podcaster, a former Microsoft Business Application MVP, and a blogger focused on Power Apps and Dynamics 365. Welcome back, Nick Dolman. Hey, thanks, Marcus. And hey, Heidi, good to uh, talk to you guys today. Yeah. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing awesome. Thanks, Marcus. I uh, f- First time in a long time, I've had two weeks of kind of time off uh, over the holiday break, uh, which is a little bit weird for me. I'm doing things. I'm playing video games, reading books, watching movies, um, kind of, and not stressing out about uh, client work that needs to get done over the holidays. Yeah, really nice. Sounds like a nice recharge before 2022. <laughs> What exactly. movies are you watching? Oh, I watched uh, yesterday. I watched uh, News of the World with Tom Hanks. Um, it's a basically set in the 1870s in Texas, just after the the American Civil War. He goes reads newspapers to different towns and villages, I guess, because uh, you know maybe people just don't they don't read, or uh, he just needed something to do, and he encounters a young girl that was kidnapped by the. Uh, the indigenous, of course, they called them Indians at the time, and and they were. She was actually being transported back to her family. And there was some some things that kind of put her and put her in his possession, and just getting her back to her family. The encounters along the way, but also just sort of learning a bit more of himself and uh, the different cultures. And you know, it's kind of that was that was an interesting movie. I also saw Don't Look Up the other night. I, I watched re- that last night. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was very- great. It was a great movie. Very uncomfortable, though. Consider today's, you know, use of social media and the and mainstream media and and how things are reacting to. Yeah, it was it was good, but uh, don't sit down thinking you're just going to go in for a cheery movie. Um, And uh, there's a few other actually right before the holiday. Actually, uh, my the family and I we went to the movie theater and we saw Spider Man No Way Home. And if you're a Marvel fan like I am, my daughter was just, you know, out of her, like she, the day it was released, um, she asked me in the morning before she went to school, she said, any chance we can see it today? And I'm like, I don't know, we're busy. I just kind of kept it under the down low. And then uh, she came back home and I said, okay, get your boots on. We're going back to the, we're going to go see Spider-Man. And uh, it was awesome. It was uh, was just, just a complete thrill, complete treat. So yeah. And probably a few others sprinkled in there as well over the holiday. Really nice. I've seen neither of those. So I will be sure to add them to my list of things to see. And yeah. Is it like the eighth Spider-Man movie now? Uh, I was trying to count, but I'm not sure it it was the eighth Spider-Man. But anyway, so yeah, yeah, they're about the eights. But it does 
I, I'm not, you know what? I'm not even going to say anything. I don't yeah. want to spoil it for anybody. <laughs> just, just go see it. <laughs> yeah. And welcome, Heidi. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. I, I don't have two weeks off, but I do have this week off, which is not something I've done often to take off the week between Christmas and New Year's. And it's been fun to hang out with the kids. We went geocaching for the first time today. We've never oh. done that before. And that made hiking very fun. Yeah. If oh. it's, we, we, uh, we haven't done it in a long time. My niece is really in her and her family and we've done it as well but yeah geocache like yeah geocaching is one of those things where yeah it, at least if you're going out for a walk you have a purpose so it's easier to get your boots on get your coat on and go on that walk and try to try to find something yeah it was a lot of fun i've heard a lot of parents talking about pokemon go but not as much about geocaching so yeah i will definitely try that out with my kids later Highly recommend it. You could probably say that can almost be an entire podcast episode in itself. (laughs) As a content developer, what is it that you do? What is it that I do? That's a great question, Marcus. And this isn't, you know, a new role for me um, as I transitioned to Microsoft. I started at the end of September. But what a content content developer does in this particular role for Microsoft Docs is I'm responsible for... Um, the mic, not all of Microsoft docs, there's a whole team that's involved, but I think everybody that's worked into this ecosystem definitely has used Microsoft docs on a project or doing research or trying to figure something out. And I'm responsible for the power apps portals section. And what a senior content developer does is we work with the program managers. So these are the folks on the engineering team that are building the features, um, that are supporting these features. And what I do is we take the information from them and they need to put together some rudimentary rudimentary guidelines and instructions of how a particular feature works. And I work with them to kind of put it in a format that's definitely readable by external audiences and to help folks use the Microsoft Docs as a resource and make sure it's accurate. If there's something, if something gets deprecated, it gets out. If there's new features, we add those in. If something's not explained correctly and there's ways to report on that, we need to make that documentation a little bit clearer. Obviously, the cloud is, you guys know, working with Microsoft, things change on a daily basis. So if there's been a new feature that might trickle down and affect other features, part of my job too is to make sure the documentation gets updated to reflect that, some of those periphery features. And, you know, it's beyond just reference documentation, but also tutorials together, um, you know, explanation, sample code, just to make it easier for folks to use and to learn and how to use Microsoft products. It's a little bit different from Microsoft Learn. Learn is sort of our, I would say, our sibling team. And what they do is they put together actually learning content, um, more of the kind of more of the why than the how maybe Docs does, but we work closely with them. And it's, again, it's presenting that information maybe in a little bit different kind of a different way. But ultimately, the goal is to make it as seamless as possible for folks to be able to use Microsoft products and have docs as a really good reference. That is a a constant uh, job because there's always things changing. There's always new stuff coming. I use docs.microsoft.com all the time. It's my first go-to. And I've noticed the little bubble with your picture on the portal stuff. So thank you on behalf of everyone who uses docs.microsoft.com for your super clear writing and examples. It's very, very easy to follow. Thanks. So it's not just me. I have it. We have an amazing team of really smart people that um, mm-hmm. that definitely that care a lot. And like, I mean, I, I'm a consumer of docs myself. It has come a long way the last uh, compared 
compared to documentation the way it used to be like on, you know, TechNet and whatever. I mean, it was there, but it was kind of hard to read. It was kind of convoluted. It might be somewhat outdated. It's come a long way. They've, now that it is hosted on GitHub, um, people in the community, if they see something, they can actually, you know, even do a pull request and say, we want to change this paragraph and give some suggestions. So it's a community and a larger team effort. Um, and I, I, I guess you say, I would say, yeah, you're welcome. And I know that there's a lot of areas of improvement. Like I have a, a whole one note list going of here are the areas that I want to improve in docs, but you know, and eventually hopefully they get to most of them. And then of course, there's always the new stuff rolling as well, which is kind of exciting because you see a new feature come up. We write the documentation, we do back and forth. And then finally, it's sort of like the program manager is like, okay, we're, it's rolling out this week. We're ready to publish. And like, okay, we press the button and it, it's a bit of a thrill to say, okay, we've, there's this new feature going out and um, program managers, not always, but they're always encouraged to write a blog post. So when that blog post goes out, then it sort of starts, okay, starts tweeting. I t- I'll tweet it out. Um, cause I know some of these features are features that I've been looking for as a developer and as a consultant, and I know other folks in the community and dying for features as well. So it's kind of cool to say, you know, I'll even send a few emails to people and say, Hey, you know, Hey, you know, this thing that you're always wait- waiting for to happen. Well, it's there now. Try it out. That's awesome. How was it to change employer and work from Microsoft? That's a great question. And it wasn't, that was probably one of the hardest decisions I've made in a long time. So it wasn't, I wasn't looking for a new job. Uh, I was a a self-employed, I was an independent consultant, a trainer. Um, I was, I had a few small clients that I was supporting. I was also doing quite a bit of training. I was also working with um, a few other MVPs, uh, Julie and David Yak, uh, Derek Borman and George Dubinsky on a site called 365.training, where we were consolidating a lot of uh, power platform training, um, you know, courses and things like that. So I was working with them. And I was really enjoying what I was doing. I was having a lot of fun. And then this position kind of fell on my lap. Um, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. That actually is exactly, you know, I'd be well suited for this job, but I'm happy I'm doing, you know, happy doing what I'm doing. So what do I do? And with anybody who's ever applied with for Microsoft will, you know, it's not a here's a job interview, give your two weeks notice and away you go. It is a long process. You need to go through different interviews. There's a lot of background vetting. It took me probably about six months from the very first, my applying to actually starting with Microsoft. So you need to be patient. So there's a lot of decision-making at that time. One of the other factors would have been is a Microsoft employee can no longer be a Microsoft MVP. So there was also that decision like, okay, leaving the program, I've been in it for five years. I enjoy that. It's a great community. But then ultimately I thought, you know what? That doesn't matter. You don't need to be an MVP to be a member of them. That's, it's cool. It's, it's got some benefits, but overall, regardless if I was an MVP or not, I would still probably keep doing the same things. I try to speak at conferences and write my blog and, you know, try to help out people where I can um, at user groups and stuff. So I thought, okay, well, that's, that's fine. Like, yes, I can put that aside. Ultimately, it came down to, you know what, this is a great opportunity. These opportunities don't come by every day. Let's let's just try it out. Worst case scenario, if I absolutely hate it, I can always go back to doing what I was doing before. I can go back to the independent world. Uh, you know, I have, you know, fairly good network. And as, as we all know, if you're working in the power platform and you even have a little bit of experience, you're, you're a very high demand um, resource. So that was sort of my decision point. 
And it's been three months and definitely no regrets whatsoever. And if I had not taken it, I might have, you know, had, I might've always been kind of wondering, oh, why didn't I take that job? And why didn't I do it? The other factor was, and I think this is probably due to the pandemic, Microsoft is very open to remote where I think they've always been fairly, you know, positive about that before, but, um, um, I had applied to Microsoft a couple times, like probably the last times, like 10 years ago. And at that time, it was very much, yeah, you would have needed to relocate, needed to move, move cities. Um, I was even in one position where I would have had to move countries. And to me, this was kind of a non-starter, very much established here in Ottawa, Canada, uh, you know, with my families here, uh, you know, my daughter's schools here. It's sort of like, yeah. So one of the things that when this job came up, the position was to be located in Redmond. And I said, you know what, I'm not moving. Like, if, if you want me, I'm going to work. I'm going to work here at home. Um, but if you want me in Redmond, then this isn't the position for me. And they kind of came back like, no, that's fine. Um, you know, they said everybody's been working from home for the past year anyway. Uh, a lot of people are kind of spread out all over the country. We've been meeting on teams. So, yeah, not a problem. You can continue to work from home, continue to work from within Canada. And yeah, so it's it's a weird situation. I work with an amazing team, but I have not met my boss face to face in person ever. Yeah. Um, it's a whole yeah, new world out there, right? It, it is Ugh. like, you know, Microsoft lives on Microsoft Teams. And so, yeah, I have a, you know, weekly, well, we chat a couple times a week on various things, but we have a weekly one-on-one meetup. And, you know, despite not having met in person, I probably have more FaceTime with him than I did in previous jobs where I was working for somebody with my boss. So yeah, it is a completely different world. Um, so that was another factor. So yeah, I kind of, I pulled the trigger and uh, yeah, transitioned into working full-time for Microsoft. Yeah. Great story. If we look at PowerUp's portals in your mind, how far would you say that one can take a portal without using code today? I think they can go quite far because if we look at the tools of how portals have evolved, like we think back, you know, when I started working with portals, it was still part of ADX Studio. It was very much a developer tool. You needed to be pretty strong in Visual Studio to build out a lot of the customization and pages. Now, there is still a lot of, um, there's still avenues for extending on portals. And I can talk about that in a minute. But in terms of building a portal, um, if Anytime anybody has seen my presentations or even some of my trainings, you know that you can actually, especially now that it's part of the cloud, it's within make.powerapps.com. You could basically click and provision a portal and within a couple hours have a functioning website that actually is connected to Dataverse. So you can collect information like a feedback form or you could, you know, register for a class or see, you know, a public course schedule and all of that is basically done using the portal, what we call the Portals Studio, which is a, a user tool where we can create web pages and add components like lists and forms that are tied back to Dataverse. And so you can build with virtually, like with no code whatsoever, you can build a functioning portal. And the other thing you can do is implement a very strong security model. And that's been, that's also very important to Microsoft uh, um, over the last few months because there was a few issues with that, but you can build a very strong security in terms of what pages people have access to and what data they have access to, again, all through that front end uh, portal studio. 
what would you say are the news on portals like in the last year or so are the main parts of the news? The engineering team that I work with, the program managers, they're amazing, super smart people. And they have cooked up a lot of new features that have now been, they're currently in GA or in private or sorry, I should say public preview that you can try out. And I would say up until, you know, when Microsoft bought ADX Studio in 2015, they did move it online, but there really wasn't a lot of updates. Like there was some, you know, there was a few updates here and there. The biggest thing was the Portal Studio, which was a way to build your, your pages and work with kind of more of a maker experience. So you weren't hopping around to different aspects in Portal Management app um, or into different back into, you know, the model driven apps and then back into, you know, the front end and that kind of thing. You're able to start building a whole portal, mostly within the Portal Studio. Now that's not 100% complete yet. There's still things coming. That was a big. That was a big thing, and I know there's a lot of seasoned Portal professionals that aren't still quite using it yet. I dove. I kind of took an opposite approach. I dove in and yes, yeah, started using it. The first few cuts weren't that great, but then they got better and better, and it's still it's a really robust tool. The biggest thing that I would say that has come more from a development aspect is the the portal web api and the portals web api what that opened up and again this is kind of beginning to deviate away from the maker experience but anybody that's worked on a portal project knows that there's probably you know a certain percentage of things you can do with configuration adding lists adding forms but then there's always that next you know 10% or 15% where your end users your project oh we need this or we need that special thing very much like any other Dataverse or Power Platform or Dynamics 365 project, there's you get you know 95% of the way, and then you need to bring in the professional developers, the pro devs, to you know kind of you know fill in the cracks or get that extra functionality, build those unique things. And Microsoft, very much like Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform, they provided the tools to make that happen. With portals, by providing the portals web API, now professional developers can write code whether it's uh, you know in JavaScript built in the pages and begin to use other code like Liquid. Liquid is a markup language. Anybody that's worked with portals probably has heard about Liquid and use Liquid in combination with JavaScript and the portals web API and begin to do some very amazing things. So for example, before anytime you needed to save data from a portal page back into Dataverse, you would have needed to use a form or you would have needed to use something like a an advanced form um, or that kind of thing. With the Portal Web API, you can actually begin to wire functionality where, hey, as soon as you tab off a field, that is going to send information back to Dataverse, or it's going to be able to, now we have read capabilities as well. We can read information directly from Dataverse. So we don't need that whole form submit process, that back and forth that takes a lot of time. There was always ways to do that, but they're always convoluted. You would have to build what we call companion apps, which were sort of, you know, applications built in Azure that you would sort of kind of call indirectly and loop around to get it back in Dataverse. And yeah, they worked, but, you know, that caused a lot of extra overhead and extra development time. So the Portals Web API to me was, I'd say, still number one new feature that has really exploded um, what you can with Portals. And of course, this has splintered off into a lot more features as well. Um, one of the things that is now in public preview, which uh, I believe will be uh, GA fairly soon, is um, components. 
um, in portals. Now when I say components, I'm talking about PCF, what we know as PCF controls. Anybody building model-driven apps has, you know, knows what PCF controls are. There's a bunch available. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, Guido Pietri and his PCF gallery. I think anybody that's worked on model-driven apps has definitely been to PCF gallery. So a lot of these particular components are now going to be because the portal web API does full create, read, update, delete functionality. They're going to be able to build components that could be used on portals. And there's some, you know, speaking of docs, there's some examples there where there's a kind of custom form where you're, the information is going back and forth to Dataverse. So you can do things, calculations like, you know, tax calculations or, um, you know, begin to build payment gateways and those types of things. Those types of challenges are now way easier because of things like code components and uh, the, the portal's web API. So from the developer story, that's getting a lot better. The other big thing in the developer story as well is um, the, the command line interface tools. So we're able to use Visual Studio and then also use uh, PowerShell to bring down your portal metadata locally, work in Visual Studio and you know, do the coding that way. Now, I'm still a big fan of the XRM toolbox, uh, the portal code editor, but now using VS Code, that sort of takes things to the next level in terms of IntelliSense and that type of thing. And then also that begins to lay the groundwork down for a good ALM capabilities where you can work on a development portal and then use the CLI to move your changes over um, from, you know, from your development portal into your source control and then deploy from source control into your, your destination portal. So as you see, all of these features sort of link into one another. Um, and there's still definitely more stuff coming um, for the professional developer. Taking a step back in terms of other you know, features with portals, um, another big one, you can create multiple portals on a single Dataverse. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty huge thing because I've run, I've had projects where we, the client effectively needed four different types of portals for four completely use cases. Um, and originally I said, okay, but we, in order to do that, you're going to have to provision different data verses, or we're going to have to use, um, you know, get different, you know, portal instances. It was a lot of extra work. So what I ended up doing was sort of build sort of sub sites within portals. And I have a, a, a blog post that's still pretty popular about that, the multi-branded portal, but now if I were to redo that project again, I would just provision four separate portals and begin to work on each one of those separately. So that that's a pretty cool thing. And then one of the other things that came out recently was progressive web apps. Now with progressive web apps, the, when I first heard about that, my first question was, what the heck's a progressive web app? And then I sort of did some reading and I found out what it really means is, is you're using the same technologies that you would use to build a website. And when I say think those technologies, I think like HTML, JavaScript, CSS, you would put those together. And with that, you'd be able to build a mobile app. Now, traditionally, if we're building mobile apps, we might be using things like um, if we're building apps for Apple, we'd be using Xcode. And um, Xamarin is a one that Microsoft um, bought as well. And those are great tools. And I think, you know, they still have their, their, they still have their needs in the world. And I know Microsoft is moving to some other you know, mobile app development platform, kind of evolving Xamarin around. 
But what you can do now is you can build a Power Apps portal the same as you always would, but then you have the ability now to make it into a web app. And of course, that leads to the next question going, well, hold on a second. Isn't, you know, couldn't I just run the portal directly on my phone anyway? And you definitely can. But while this, this allows you to do is you can actually build this app and deploy it on an app store, um, whether it's the Google Play Store or the Windows App Store or uh, with um, the iOS, I think yeah, that I think it either will be supported or it's on the roadmap to be supported. It was one of those things that was kind of, um, I think there's a few little things to wrinkle out with that. But then the idea is now you can deploy, you know, apps. Now you still need to pay for the licensing on your side, but then you can deploy an app through an app store. And that app is actually a Power Apps portal in the background. And then with that, you can also have some static content pages and take those offline. So as opposed to now, if you try to go to a Power Apps portal, put in the URL, you're going to get a, you know, a page can't be found if you're offline, like you're in an airplane or something in airplane mode. With a um, progressive web app, first off, if if it's static content, meaning not necessarily connected to Dataverse, you'll be able to say, you'll be able to see all that content offline. So if you have things like user manuals or that kind of thing, you can still access that. If it's accessing a Dataverse page, of course, we don't have access offline to Dataverse, but you get a much cleaner message saying, hey, you're not online right now. When you, you know, come back later, when you can connect, as opposed to the dreaded, like, you know, 404 page can't be found error. So there's definitely, you know, that is a pretty big thing for building mobile apps. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to think too, just last week, before I went on vacation, um, Dataverse search is now part of Power Apps portals as well. Um, so you can That's configure a that. That's pretty huge improvement. I Obviously, the toolkit has changed a lot with portals since I started working in Dynamics and in, in Power Apps. And it almost seems like it's simplified for the builder and how to build your portals and where to configure things. And it's nice that it's all coming together at Power Apps. It makes a lot of sense from a build perspective, not to oversimplify portals, because I still would need a developer to come in and build this thing for me. But someone who's less technical, more on the business side, like myself, like I can still get started and build a shell of a portal, which is really cool because when I first started dabbling in portals back, I don't know, like four years ago, I couldn't do much of anything. I was like, I need liquid. What is liquid? I'm like Googling. <laughs> How do I do all of these things? So it's come a long way. If someone like me can build a portal for you in Power Apps. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think I've told the story before about how I got started. It was, I think, a rock, paper, scissors back in 2000, 2013 um, between myself and another another uh, kind of developer. It was like, okay, and a huge project. One of us was going to handle the portal component. The other one was going to handle the development component. And I think I either won or lost that because I ended up with portals. <laughs> and it was the learning, it wasn't even a learning curve. It was more like a learning wall that you had to climb. <laughs> And it's now interesting it's... to know if you won or lost, though. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but let, let's leave that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, learning yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's the yeah. Definitely, over the past few years, it's becoming a lot more easier for folks to dive in. Now, the thing is, though, we got to remember, like the word power apps. I think sometimes might confuse people a little bit in terms of, oh, well, I can build a Canvas app, so I I just have to go into my Canvas app and flip a switch, and it's a portal, right? 
Well, no, not quite. Um, and then it's the same with model-driven apps too, right? Oh, I can build model-driven apps. Yes, there's a whole foundation there in terms of the form designer and the list designer that are components that you use as a foundation to build portals, but you still need to have a whole extra a bit of knowledge on top of that to properly build out a Power Apps portal. But right. But Nick, you know where they get that at docs.microsoft.com <laughs> that you're building for them. Sorry. That's, yeah, yeah. No, that's <laughs> correct. Yeah, that's and it's all laid out there. Um, but yeah, so it is it's definitely evolved. And uh, with, you know, I, I can't give away too much, but I would just basically say stay tuned because there's a lot of cool stuff coming um, with uh, with portals in the new year. And next that's year an well. exciting tease. I like it. <laughs> um, there's there's a there's a smart team here, and they're they're building wonderful things. And again, part of that too is, and I think I can I can safely say this again. It's just that maker in mind. Make it easier for somebody that you know whether they're you know whether they're not even part of a technical group, but all of a sudden it's oh shoot, we need um uh we need we need a portal to take vaccine bookings. Who knows how to do that? And then all of a sudden, people are kind of looking at each other like, what tools do we use? Where do we start? You know, something like Power Apps Portals is, you know what, you can actually start building that out and getting getting that built out pretty quickly. Because as we know, these are the types of solutions that in some instances, they needed to be built overnight. Um, and there are some, there's vaccine booking systems, there's testing systems that are built in Power Apps Portals that were, again, put together by people that had experience, but they had a very, very short term time to get something up and running Um and portals enable them. Yeah. So so going back a little bit to the news here. So there were at least the first three was more of a developer focused in mind. Do you see them as an enabler for coming forward then? So that was portals web APIs that sort of enable PCF components. And then we talked about CLI for portals. So all of those three are pretty developer-centric in my mind. Yes. Do you also see them as enabler going forward? Oh, absolutely. Because I think, and I think it's it's no surprise anybody, even if you've never touched a portal project before, if you've worked in a power platform project, um, it's it's the same way. The, the maker tools have come a long way. Um, you no longer have developers that are spending their time building simple calculations and that kind of thing. That's something we can do business rules or power effects even for folks that even aren't pro developers. It's really pushing, I wouldn't say pushing those, there's always going to be work for developers, but getting them, getting the professional developers to do the things that they're good at and not having to do that boring, tedious work that we have all those maker tools. So yeah, definitely there's an enabler for, to get the, the developers to work on the fun development stuff, but also you know, those, that foundation will also enable, for instance, like code components, as opposed to someone saying, oh, I need the portal page to do this. Now I envision that it's very shortly, they can just go to PCF gallery and go, oh, I need a calendar control that does special things. Hey, someone in the community already wrote a specialized calendar control. Ooh, it works on portals. I'm going to download it and I'm going to I'm going to implement that into my portal and that's freed up their, their developer on staff or on their team to do stuff that, that might be a little bit more pressing and much more complicated, or for that matter, maybe that saves them from trying to find a developer. Cause I'm, you know, 
I know a lot of people that are constantly bugging me on LinkedIn. Like, do you know any power apps developers? They're so hard to find. Um, so let's make, let's make everybody work a little bit more efficiently. Um, because I know a lot of developers that are, that are kind of stretched because they have to do so many things. Yeah. And in going into that progressive web app a little bit, sure. um, I, I thought it was just that the website co- sort of asked, do you want to add this at your home page? Because that's possible as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's basically, it, it is very subtle because I know some folks got back to me, they go, well, what's, what's the real difference? And I, I kind of struggled with this as a little bit as well, but it's really it's really about, you know, being able to deploy, you know, that as an app, plus some of the offline functionality um, as well, uh, you know, and also multi-platform as well. So as opposed to, you know, because you're using web technologies, as opposed to writing something specifically for Google or something for Apple, you just have to write one app and it will run on both. Yeah, I was just thinking about perhaps you don't want to go through the hassle of being sort of approved by either google or apple and then if it's just a website you just have this okay add it as an icon then to most users if it's in an icon on the home screen you're an app right yeah oh yeah yeah and that's how when i was playing with it when i when i first was working on the documentation of course i was trying this out for myself and I was using, I have an Apple phone. Let's, I, I'm, I, I'm iOS on my phone. Um, and, and I know that some of the other team were using, you know, Android. And I was like, okay, I'm running into this. And they're like, oh, what, 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 what uh, platform are you using? iOS. Ooh, okay, we're not running to this on Google. So they kind of, there was a bit of like internal testing, of course, you know, they're very much, yeah, try it out. So, but yeah, a lot of it was because the iOS store, from my understanding, to publish something through the iOS store, there's a lot of hoops and jumps and things that you have to go through, less so on the Google Play Store. So that's why I think some of those, yes, it can be done, but there's a lot less um, a lot less friction. And at the end of the day, if you can just go add to my home screen and then there you go, we're good. <laughs> yeah, so probably start with that if you don't really need that. Okay, people are going to search for it on App Store. And right. if they don't find you there, then you're not existing. Then, of course, go publish it there. Yeah, it depends on your your use case, right? So if it's something, let's say you're, it's a thing of an example, like it's something like your public health. Um, like in Canada, we have like, you know, uh, public health units um, all throughout our province. And I'm sure other countries have this somewhere, similar things where you need to deploy this app to potentially tens of thousands or millions of users then yeah, going through the app store experience, it's worth to go through the hoops and figure it out. But if you're a small company and hey, you have to deploy this app to maybe like 50 people, then yeah, here are the instructions. Here's how you add it to your home screen, you know, check it out, do it and away you go. So it really depends on what the use case is. That's yeah. a really interesting use case. We have that locally um, in Pennsylvania in the United States. It's actually a member of our user group and they did a spotlight on this. So it's our our county's public health department. They have built the entire COVID response app and COVID tracking app using Power Apps portals and progressive web apps. So we saw it firsthand because we all use it all the time. <laughs> but it was really neat to to hear a user group member show us the back end and show us how they built it. And it was incredible. It was leveraging the entire platform and it has completely transformed 
how they report and how they share their information externally and also a lot of their internal processes too. And it's all run by portals. Yeah, that's amazing. And Power BI. So they had Power BI, real-time Power BI responsive dashboards that allowed us as just consumers of the information to filter through and see it in dang near real time. It's just impressive. Yeah, up up here as well. Like, yeah, I talk about the. I know we're getting we're deviating away from portals, but it's cool when we you go to your own. Like, I, I live in Ottawa, and I go to the City of Ottawa website, and like, okay, you know, and the media is completely freaking out about hospitalizations and blah blah blah. And I go to the Ottawa City of Ottawa website, I see the Power BI logo, I see the little mm-hmm. graphs go up, and going, oh, okay, well. Yeah, there's there's eight people in the hospital and one person in ICU. It was like, okay, why is why is the media freaking out about this? The data, but of course, it's like you know, it's all about you know clicks and and views and stuff, right? So yeah. that's I'm not even gonna get on that soapbox. So I'll just uh, no, you can just on. watch. Don't look up if you like that soapbox. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good to have that data yourself, so you can take a conscious decision whether to go someplace. Mm-hmm or not so it's not like yeah two weeks ago the numbers were like this and you're like yeah well that doesn't help me today right yeah yeah, yeah. no it, it is just yeah it's neat to see the uh the, the microsoft technology in 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 the in the real world yeah <laughs> yeah so how do you add more power to your power apps portals then uh well i've now handed off my projects to uh right. some colleagues but but overall, like um, in terms of the what I see w- with with portals for sure, like I look at a lot of the projects I you know kind of were wrapping up and and finished up before I transitioned to Microsoft. But to me, the the portal web API was a lot of a game changer. I had a lot of I was able to remove a lot of kind of I would say awkward workarounds um, using you know other tech, including using things like Power Automate um, with portals and stuff like that. There was some security holes there that. Uh, that it just didn't make me comfortable. But then as soon as the portal web API was, was GA, I was like, okay, I can swap out the code and now we have a much more secure experience. Um, so that, that's the one, you know, one thing with, with, like I said, I'm keep going back to the, to me, the portals web API was the big game changer of this past year in terms of portals and making things more powerful. The other thing, the tools that I like um, with portals, and I know this is also evolving and getting better is within the portal studio the sort of the 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 theme designer um, to be able to change colors and fonts and that type of thing right now in the portal studio it's still a little bit light you can change some of the color schemes Um, and i've said this before in other podcasts is i'm not a designer i at best i'm a citizen designer i know people that can do css and just just do amazing things with it I'm not that guy. I can make your portal work. I can make it functional to make it pretty, get someone else to do that. But at least now with some of those tools is I can actually make a portal look a lot more professional without having that deep knowledge. Um, and like those, what I call those citizen designer tools um, are very helpful as well. And that's something I, I also like to utilize on some of these portal projects as I transitioned is to Hey, you know, what, what's your branding? What's your colors? Okay. I'm going to plunk those into the tool here, your portal, at least your branding colors match. And it's built on bootstrap. So, I mean, that business is like fully there. Just search for bootstrap and themes 
and you will pretty soon find something that's relatable to you. And if you don't, I mean, it's pretty darn cheap to buy a professional that does that for you day out and day night. They're like super fast and super professional. So yeah, yeah if you see a few other folks in the community, like uh, Alerky, uh that you said yet you on your show uh, a few episodes ago, uh, Franco Musos, and they're the type. If you know, they're the type of people. Megan Walker's another one she knows as well. Like, there's folks out there that are uh, good resources for design. Yeah, and she was like, yeah, I took the bootstrap and then I extrapolated all the components. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what did you do? And like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't touch that thing. <laughs> yeah, she's absolutely wizard. Be, it would be nice if it could play well with Dynamics for Marketing. So if you're using Dynamics for Marketing, you've already set up all of your theming and all of your branding, and you probably have some beautiful graphics. I'm sure there's a way to get it there. Maybe in Power like the resources, somehow. the pictures but, and stuff? Yeah, like anything that you've already, if you've already like built landing pages and you're like, oh, I really like the theme that I made on this landing page. I want my portal to look just like this. Instead of like rebuilding it, it would be nice to think it. At any time, and Heidi, you know this, anytime you see, you think of, it would be nice if dot, 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 ideas.powerapps.com, I think, or. uh, I'm going to add that. It's probably there. You know. Definitely, I tell everybody in the community: it's if it's something new, add that as it add that as an idea, tweet it out. Uh, once it gets upvoted, I'm not exactly sure what the number is, but once it hits a certain threshold, the product team does need to take a look at it and evaluate it. So these, you know, these things are definitely looked at. I know that for a fact that the ideas are looked at, and and you know, um, and kudos to my team; they do amazing work. Um, and I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but they work in, you know, sort of the the lab environment kind of thing. Of course, me being parachuted in there, I, I do bring some of that real world experience and say, well, you know, this is great. This is awesome. But you know what? You need to show this to folks that are working in this industry or, you know, bring in the MVPs because, you know, these are types of things you need to consider. So, again, ideas is, is a great spot for, um, you know, being just blogging those ideas and getting Microsoft to pay attention to that. Yeah, I, I grabbed the link and it will be in the show notes so everyone can find it. And it's the ideas for Power Apps ideas. But I couldn't find if there's something particular for Power Apps portals. I, Do you know if there's like a section just for portals? I think there's some tagging or categorization. You know, if I remember yeah, let's correctly. try and see if we can find that. And we will be sure to add it to the show notes yeah, if we find I'll, it. I'll add an idea. Or if I find one that exists, then we can link it there. Perfect. All right, then. So where do you see portals go in the future, then? Um, I see it's it's not a niche. I would say this. It's not a niche thing from Microsoft. I can tell you there's, there's investment there that it's, it is a going to be very much a very important part of the Power Platform going forward. And I am being careful on how I'm saying this because I am privy to some information that's coming that's not public uh, about, you know, the direction of portals. So all I I can sort of say is um, this information will will come to light over the next few months. Um, But all I can say is, yes, if you're, if you're, if you're building, if you're, if you have a project and you need a portal component, um, definitely like start today because nothing, nothing you do today will Will stop any of the new things that are coming will 
nothing's being replaced. I say everything's being enhanced. Um, so if you have a new if you have a new project and it requires a portal, definitely check out Power Apps portals. Um, if you need to build, you know, a website, if you're a public health unit, you need to start, you know, doing. I think probably they have. Hopefully they have their vaccine booking systems built out by now. But um, if there's other information, that kind of thing, you know, portals is a great platform for that. Of course, because at the end of the day, it all roots back into the Power Platform. It ties into Dataverse. You have the model driven apps, the Canvas apps, of course, Power BI. Um, even going further with, um, you know, Azure Synapse databases and, you know, that kind of thing. It just, everything connects to each other. Like the Power Platform is the, probably the most awesome business Lego kit there is. <laughs> it just all builds up and connects on that. And Portals is going to be very much an important part of that going forward. So, um, yeah, just, and it's it's just a lot of cool stuff coming. It's and it's going to be great. Yeah, that that's good to hear. So, if I might speculate, because I'm not an MVP, I'm not an employee, so both of you perhaps cannot chime in here. So I will go on the limb and say, like, Power Ethics, that's something that Microsoft is building upon now, that it's coming to command buttons. So I would guess then that perhaps buttons in portals could be Power Apps enabled. And I've seen forms uh, no sorry not forms but if you're building like emails in marketing today you get this like ai assistant saying okay you're building content perhaps you would like content like this and i would guess that if you're like someone like me that's okay to speculate i would speculate that these are things ai like this helping out building content and power fix would perhaps be there in the future at least that's my hopes for 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 the future for power ups portals yeah i can't i um i can't comment on specifically no, i would okay. say i think i think i can safely say you're not going to see that in the next three months anyway um but you know when people talk about power i think power effects is awesome but also power effects is still it's still version i wouldn't even say it's quite even version one in canvas apps and model driven apps yet so I think we're going to see it grow up there a little bit first before we see it in other places, but it wouldn't surprise me at all um, down the line if PowerFX becomes sort of the, the primary um, way to to do a lot of automation, not only in you know Canvas or, or Canvas apps or model-driven apps. I could even see it make its way into Power Automate because it's kind of crazy that we build a Canvas app using one language and then we Power Automate to do build functions in a different syntax. Yeah. And then we move on from there into portals, which is we're into JavaScript and stuff now. It's <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, aren't all the, you know, we sort of like, wait a minute, aren't all of these things are the sort of the same platform? Yeah. Like, yeah, but they're, you know, it's kind of like different. It's kind of like a potluck. People all sort of showed up with amazing casseroles and dishes, but they all came from different places. So we got to work yeah. a little bit to make them all uh, make them all together to make a great meal. It's like the origin stories of Marvel. Like they're all different. They're all yes, different exactly. places. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. Then. So are you okay with talking about the security model of Paras Portal and a little bit what happened in the news of, of that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So so basically when we when we refer to that, a few months ago there was an issue where there was I would say the best way to describe that is a data leak. And basically Nothing in portals was broken. It was not hacked. It wasn't uh, anything 
um, nefarious in terms of well, portals was broken and it exposed all this public data. What it was is the, for anybody who's not worked with Power Apps portals before, but may have worked with Dynamics 365 or Dataverse or Power Apps, understand that the security model for portals is 100% completely different. I'd say different from a implementation than in Dataverse. So we understand Dataverse, we have our security roles, we have field security, or sorry, column security, um, (laughs) um, roles based on users of Dataverse. Portals is very similar, but because we're not looking at Dataverse users accessing that data, we're looking at actual contacts. So in Dataverse, we have contacts. That's part of, that's a CRM thing from way back when we have contacts. Those are your portal users. Now there's within to protect the data, there's a concept called table permissions and table permissions basically allow or not allow users to view data within a Power Apps portal. Now when ADX, this is actually table permissions or previously known as entity permissions. That was an ADX feature that was added in, I believe ADX Studios version six or seven. Um, and before that, the way to protect the data was, was something called page permissions, meaning you would have access to a page or you wouldn't. If you needed to protect the data on that page, well, you just wouldn't give users access to that page. So of course, again, that time that's where a lot of development needed to happen. So I'm, a lot of technical information here. So when they implement, when they came out in version, I think it was version seven with this concept of what has now, what we now know is table permissions you got to realize there was already a lot of functionality within portals themselves prior to that. One of those features was the ability to create a page and add a list component to that page that instead of showing the data in a regular grid list, you could show that as an OData feed. And why would you want to show data in an OData feed? Well, it might not be necessarily for public consumption. Think of something like a weather service or something like that, where you're getting your data and you need it to pump out, you can pump it out to OData and then you could have other people using different client apps, whether they wrote it in Ruby on Rails or you know some other platform. And it would read that OData into that app where they would get that, they would go to a website where there would be that OData feed. So portals had this ability to create a list and display that as an OData. Now, by default, security was never turned on for OData feeds, as well as for things like entity lists um, or entity forms. When you configured your portal, you would physically need to go in there and tick the little tech checkbox, use entity permissions for this particular form or this particular list. And that was even included with the OData feeds. You needed to go in, if you're configuring your portal, you would need to click on um, turn on security for this. Now, anybody who's building portals and anytime I've ever done a portal demonstration and I've done many and I show, hey, here's how you can create a list and here's how you can show Dataverse information. There's always somebody in the crowd that's putting their hand up and it's usually like an IT director or you know someone like that. They're going, this is great, but now you've exposed that Dataverse information to the public on a public internet page. And they said, how do we know the data is protected? Great question. And then I would go into, here's how you protect your data with table permissions and web rule and whatnot. So obviously as part of any project, and let's even take portals out of the picture. If you're building a power platform project, and I can guarantee you look at any project plan or 99% of the project plans, there should be a, a line item there for security configuration. 
Um, and I know for some more advanced enterprise project, there's a whole document. There's a security configuration document or security configuration plan. How are the users going to be assigned roles? Who's going to have access to data? How is that going to be mapped out? So that's also very much with portals. All the portal projects I've worked on, there's been a whole security kind of plan around that. Here's the, the list that are going to be exposed. Here are the table permissions. Here are the web roles like that. Would you agree that there is like bad defaults that were sort of the root cause of this? It was possible to secure it, but it was if you're a newbie just setting things up, it was easy to miss. I would say, yeah, I would say in one respect, if you're a newbie, it'd be easy to miss. However, I think even, I think there's a very, there shouldn't be an excuse for you to have missed that. I think if you know yeah. that you're exposing data on a publicly, especially a web page, now whether you're doing a WordPress project, um, Wix, or even building an HTML page in Notepad, and you're exposing data, security has, like, I think anybody that's even somewhat yeah. professional, even a junior developer needs to know security is important, especially on the So yes, I would agree with you. Yes, it's easy for a newbie to miss. And this is what definitely happened. Someone missed that setting. And then what happened was there was data leakages because all of a sudden people were like with the O data feed, because first off it was on a regular list. You'd have to know to find the page that display that list. So the list, the list security, even if you didn't turn it on, there was a certain level of security by obscurity. Um, and then normally lists were very much, that's a user interface type thing, right? So people, if they're doing their testing and like, oh, wait a minute, I see the invoices from all our customers on a page. So even during a testing phase, someone would say, wait a minute, this isn't right. They would lock it down. With the O data feed, that was something that's easily missed because that's not a user interface thing. It's we're creating this OData feed. Can we connect to it from another service? Yes, we can. Good. We're good to go. So what happened was you're able to go in and do, I think your portal URL slash OData, there's a certain URL, and then it would actually show you all the available OData feeds with the naming. And then you'd be able to take that one step further and actually get the listing of data. So yes, it was something that was easily missed, but that was a default setting that was there for five years. Um, yeah before it became a thing. Now, obviously, you know, Microsoft is very concerned about security. So now the defaults immediately switched. So now if you configure a no data feed or a list or a form, by default, table permissions are enabled. And even on the O data feeds, you cannot shut off the security you need to set up table permissions in order to use those O data capabilities. Even if it's public, if it's public information, like let's consider weather data, you'd still need to set up your table permissions and a web role that all anonymous and authenticated users have asked you that. So yeah, it, yeah. So basically I, hopefully that wasn't overly complicated, uh, but it basically the, the short version of it is yes. If you, if you kind of did everything, if you did the bare minimum amount of work, you could put, expose your data if you did your job properly, you would have been okay. And I think most people were, but there were a few instances that, yeah, they did the bare, you know, and again, the bare minimum, we've all worked in enterprise projects. Sometimes it's just get it done, get it done, get it shipped. We have a deadline. We, we need to make this happen. Boom, boom, boom. And things get messed. So do you happen to know where Colin Vermander is? <laughs> I do. I had, uh, I had uh, beers with him a few, uh, probably a couple months ago now. So yeah, the joke at Colin Vermander, uh, good friend. He's a former MVP 
And he was also a co-host on my podcast, Refresh the Cash, along with Nick Hayduke. And um, yeah, Colin, Colin went on and he's actually working at Microsoft right now as well. And his, um, his role there is he's working within the industry solutions. Um, and so, yeah, he's definitely, he's doing amazing work there. The industry solutions are very cool. Uh, I think you've, I'm not exactly sure which ones he's working on, but if we see some of those industry solutions, so that's where Colin went and Colin, if you do listen to this and you're upset, uh, it's my fault. It's not, don't blame Marcus or Heidi on this (laughs) one. So, uh, I'll buy beers next time. (laughs) All right. So if I want to know more about portals, where do I go? Uh, definitely go to docs.microsoft.com. Uh, where all the reference material is. And like I said, that's constantly evolving. So there hasn't been any, I, because I've been off for two weeks, there hasn't been any changes there. But uh, when I get back uh, next week, for sure, there's going to be some new content already um, queuing up and coming out. Um, definitely keep your eye open on that. Microsoft Learn is another great resource if you just kind of want to get a little bit of a ramp up on portals. Now that content um uh, it's probably a little bit dated now, but not too bad. It's still relevant. And I would also, I want to give a plug out to my my uh, former partners there at 365.training. Um, my course, Building Power Apps Portals, is still is there. It's uh, now, I believe the labs have been updated. So I'm not sure who updated the labs, if it was uh, George or Julie or someone there who did that. So I haven't, I don't know what they've updated, but I'm sure it's great. Be very smart people. And I know there's a few other portals courses there. I know there's a portal security course and things like that. And it's something that I hope to be able to circle back to eventually and create some more courseware. Um, another other great community uh, folks to check out, Nick Hayduke, who's my co-host on Refresh the Cash. He does a monthly portals community call. Um, and that's always a great resource. He also has a blog and a, a YouTube channel. And uh, Victor Dantes, who's also a fellow Canadian uh, MVP, or I guess, oh, I'm a former MVP. He's still an MVP. Uh, he did a series earlier. It was um, kind of a, um, a, a group where he brought in a lot of other folks and they did sort of a, a series of sessions on particular portal topics. Um, and I believe all that's on YouTube and that's free as well. Plus there's zero a whole to lot. Zero to Hero, right? Yeah, this is the portal yeah. Zero to Hero. So. I actually went back and referenced that for a few things because it's like, yeah, there's a lot of great content um, on there. It's just everybody has a different learning style, but there's so many. If I start listing everybody in the community that's doing stuff in portals now, I think I'm going to miss somebody. So I don't want to get, I don't want anybody to feel left out, but there's just a lot of MV that are focusing a lot on Power Ops portals. Uh, Definitely check check them out. Yeah, there's a big hole in that area starting September, you know. Yeah. So if we want to see more of you, have you any public speaking scheduled? I do. I now we'll see when Scottish Summit happens. Um, I believe so. I think it's public now that it's been moved out to June. I'm not 100% sure the dates yet. And so I do have a session there. So I fully hope to be there in person um, in Glasgow. Hopefully all the, the travel the travel mess that we're currently experiencing today is is a, a nightmare of the past by June. And which is, I think it's, you know, as much as I was looking forward to going to Scotland in February, I think Scotland in June is probably slightly better than Scotland in February. Although I feel the same way. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, hopefully by then, um, you know, with, with the new, the new, the new variant, I think is going to, 
yes, is super infectious, but I think it's going to burn out a lot faster than the other ones. And hopefully we'll be in a really good position and it'd be great to see everybody again, because I've really have not seen many people um, lately. So that's the only confirmed uh, speaking session I have coming up. I have, I have sessions kind of plugged into others. I am, um, I'm going to try to put out a couple, uh, which will be probably some of these will be virtual, but I do plan, I, I think I have until, and Heidi, you probably know this, I have till the end of the week to put in sessions for Dynamics Con in March, right? Yeah, yeah, days. get those session submissions in. Yeah, I'm going to put a few in there and I have a few in a few other awesome. places as well. So uh, yeah, fully hope to, you know, once the world opens up again, I really hope to be able to, you know, to go and talk to people in person again, um, but still do a few few virtuals as well. I really miss the in-person thing. I haven't been anywhere, but I will also be at Scottish Summit. And so will Marcus. It's his first public speaking gig in person. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So so uh, I, I submitted some and, and one got, um, got selected. So I have to reschedule my flight tickets now then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but but if it happens, then, then I will definitely be there talking. Uh, so awesome. I'm looking forward to that and hopefully meet you guys there then. Yeah, Scottish Summit 2020 was actually my last like trip, like like business or trip yeah. with. And I remember, and it was funny because I, I think I was talking in another podcast about this too. That was right before the, the poop hit the fan, so to speak. I remember <laughs> being in a pub with a bunch of us and all of a sudden our phones lit up that um, the UG Summit that was going to be in Barcelona was actually canceled and everybody's like, really? Like, like, why would they do that? Like, because of the coronavirus. I'm like, oh, come on, really? It's not that serious. It's all going to blow over in a week. Huh. Um, so it's your sure. fault it didn't blow over in a week. <laughs> <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So do you still do XRAM? Uh, no, sorry. Redaxram.blog? Yeah, I actually did post a, a, a the other day on, the other day, it was a few weeks ago now, on Progressive Web Apps. I do have a couple more um, blog articles sort of in, in the queue that I hopefully will finish up. Um, I, since I joined Microsoft, joining Microsoft, there's a lot of assimilation and learning. So my community content there kind of dropped off, but I hope to be able to pick that up, um, in the new year again on a fairly regular basis. And just for, for a lot of reasons, first off is I had, you know, a new perspective now. Um, so for example, like progressive web apps, I wrote a blog article on that because yes, we had the the documentation on progressive web apps, uh, how to set them up, how to configure them, how to use portals of progressive web apps. The program manager, Ankita, who's an amazing, amazing lady who's super smart. She she was in charge of that. She wrote a great blog article on that as well for the Power uh, Apps community. Um, but I was sort of saying, okay, this is great. But a lot of people don't even know what progressive web apps are. So I wrote a blog article on that. So that's where I hope to be able to kind of fill in the blanks uh, here and there um, and still have a few other ideas uh, on not only in portals, but I have a few articles on like Power Automate and a few other things that I've, you know, incorporated in projects over here that I think could be very helpful to folks. And it also kind of keeps me, keeps my fingers in the technology as well. So I'm not just purely doing portals. I, I do, I do other things, believe it or not. I know a bit about Dataverse <laughs> and dynamics and power automate. And, you know, so I need as to, long as it's power. So power lifting, that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Power lifting, power apps. It's all, yeah. it's all power. It's all good. All right, then. Thank you, Nick, for your participation in Serum Rocks. 
Well, thanks, Marcus, and thanks, Heidi. It was great to talk to you guys today and uh, and also good to talk to the community uh, that's listening to this podcast out there, whatever you may be doing, whether you're just you're driving, running, lifting, swimming. Um, yeah, it's it's great, great, Marcus, to, you know, this is, this is one of my favorite podcasts because it's always nice to hear hear you talk to a lot of my friends from around the world. Oh, thank you so much, Nick. And thanks to you listening. And don't forget that you can comment on crmrocks.com or you can search for CRM Rocks in your favorite podcast player and you will find us right there. See you next time on CRM Rocks.